Yeah, what a great question, right? Yeah. It's kind of the question for us, you know, whenever we're, we're parenting and, and, you know, if you have kids, man, you never stop parenting. Just how we do that and the role and responsibility that we have with them changes over time. And, and so uh, we started this series last week called Ready. And, uh, you know, I want to say this because if you're like, if you're here and you're like, I, I don't have kids, I don't like kids. Well, we need to pray for you, but, uh, but, but how does this message fit to me? Well, the things we talked about last week apply to our personal lives as well as what we want to put in our kids, no matter what season of life they're in. And so, and today, like, I'm, we're going to talk about, you know, putting God's stuff first, you know, how we do that. And so, so that applies to me too, because sometimes, can I be real transparent with you? There are days where I don't put his stuff first. Anybody like that besides me, that there are days you don't put his stuff first? Like some of you don't have your hand raised. This is one of those moments you weren't even listening to me. Either that or you're lying. So either way, you're not putting God's stuff first right now. So, you know, if, if you have somebody next to you that wasn't raising their hand, you whisper to them like, pay attention. You know what I mean? So, so do that. Anyway, so uh, we started with all of that last, uh, last week. And I do, here we go. I was having an issue with my technology and I was trying to do it in a way that looked cool. And, and it wanted me to just not look cool. So anyway... Uh, so, so we're going to talk about putting God's stuff first. Grab hold of your Bibles and say this with me. Say, this is my Bible. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. I declare this morning, my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'll be taught the word of God and I'll never be the same again. We want to say hi to everybody that's online. Also, Pastor Mike and Katie, man, they have their first service today. And so we're excited for them. Let's pray and we'll pray for them. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we just pray for our service. Jesus, move here. Let the Holy Spirit's presence just be evident and obvious. Let the presence of God just be tangible, real. And we pray for Mike and Katie today as Vital Church kicks off, that it is a beginning it is a beginning of great things, of story-changing moments taking place in Silent Springs, Arkansas. And we're grateful for them. And Lord, we get to be a part of that. We're, we give there. We, we, we are committed there to help them there. And so just let this be just, just a picture of things to come even years from now. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you would open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. If you're still learning your way around the Bible, there's an Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament starts with Genesis. The New Testament starts with Matthew. Matthew, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, it's in the New Testament, first book of the New Testament. And a lot of people go, well, who wrote Matthew? Well, surprisingly, a guy named Matthew wrote Matthew. Who would have thought that? So he was a tax collector. He was not even very religious. And then he has this encounter with Jesus. His story has changed. He becomes a Christ follower. And he, he gives us one of the eyewitness accounts. He was an eyewitness to this. He was one of the 12 apostles that followed Jesus. And so we know that uh, his gospel is distributed in the first century among the churches. And so, man, it's a pretty, you know, from that standpoint, it's got, um, it's, it's got some strength as far as an eyewitness account when you look at things from a historical perspective. So in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Jesus said this. He said, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. So, you know, he, he's giving us a perspective and saying, you know, that, and, you know we, have, we have to understand the context in which he says this. 
that in the things that we do to not be just focused on right now, in this moment, and what I want and what makes me happy and all that, that, that can't be our whole focus. He said, matter of fact, he said, to begin to think with an eternal perspective beyond this moment, even beyond, you know, this life, you know, that at some point if Jesus doesn't come back, you know, in our lifetime, then, then we'll all finish our race. And he's saying that the things that we do that we need, you know, we need to understand that, that, that there'll be things that kind of in a sense will be waiting for us. I mean that in a positive way when we get there, whenever we've, we've, you know, we've been involved in God's stuff. Now, when we talk about parenting, like I said last week, and I'll say this every week, we'll give you a few things, like I'll share with you a few things that I've seen done or maybe we did that work for us and that kind of thing. But a lot of it is just helping us to understand so many of us. And I, I've been, I was guilty of this our, our kids are, are grown, they're out of the house now, they're doing well. But I was so guilty of this, of, of being a good-intentioned, reactionary parent. And you say, what's that? Well, I, I just kind of journeyed with them, and whenever they needed my intervention, then I had good intentions, and I, I would intervene. And if, and if any time that my immaturity or brokenness got involved, then I would go back and apologize or whatever. But, but I want us to think bigger. I don't want us to just be good-intentioned, reactionary parents. I want us to be visionary Visionary parents understand that one of the, you know that that just by experience that there's things that you know because of what you've been through. You know, the older I get, more and more. A lot of times when I show up in a room, I've had more birthdays than anybody else, and I'm competitive, but that's not a contest I want to win. And so, now I will tell you this much: I don't want to quit having birthdays. And so, uh, you know, but just as a result of that, there's things I've experienced, things I've been through. You know, things I know about life and. And just, you know, and just realize, you know, sometimes this is just life. You just put your head down and you keep going through and trusting God, you know, and, and doing the best you can, you know, and sometimes life will take you by surprise. But a lot of things are things that most of us experience or deal with. So I, I want to challenge us to raise that what we're doing with our kids is on purpose. And so last week we talked about that, especially when they leave our home, that, uh, you know, imagine that we're preparing them for a trip and we're preparing them for a trip. And so we're going to pack things in their suitcase when they leave our home that they'll have access to. And the most important thing we, that we want them to have access to is their own relationship with God. Not just mine, but one that they have. It's their faith. It's their relationship with Jesus. Now, again, you're like, well, I don't have kids. Well, you need that too. I need that too. Even if we, even if we had no kids, we need that. So, so today, I, I want to talk about this. Put, to put God's stuff first. We want to teach them. We want to remind them and encourage them and make this a part of our conversation that, hey, we want to put God's stuff first. And so Jesus right here in talking about that, he said, store treasures in heaven. Then he went on this. He said, wherever your treasure is, listen to this, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. King James says this, someone says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so, you know, we, when I, we use the word treasure, a lot of times people think purely about finances, and that's an element of it, but it's not limited to that. Typically, when I, when I speak about treasures, that there's three things, the three T's I call it. One is our time. What do we do with our time? The other is our talent, the, the things that God has gifted us with. What do we do with those? Who are we doing those things for? And then others is our treasure, our, our, the finances that we have at our disposal. And so with all of those things that we want to be thinking about that, we want to teach our kids that, we want to put that in them so that, so that they understand. And we want to teach them 
about that. And Jesus said this. He said, hey, man, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Okay, you guys, be real transparent with you. And you know this if you hang out with me very long. It's, you don't have to look very hard to find out the things that matter to me. I, I like football. I do. A few years ago, I had a real crisis in my marriage. I was watching football on one Saturday morning. My wife came and asked me, are you going to watch football all day? I'm like, who have I married? I mean, she doesn't know that. I, I, I wondered if I'd married the wrong person at that time. You know, we needed counseling and all that kind of stuff. You know, I'm like, yes. I'm going to do the same thing this football season. I've done the last 20-some football season we've been married. Why would you ask that question? What's, what's happened to us? You know, so I mean, it was one of those things because it's something that I've invested in. If you, if you look and see where I've spent my money, at times, I've spent my money to go to football games. I've even spent money to watch certain football games. I really like high school football and I like college football. I've kind of begun to have an interest in the NFL and, and that type of thing, but I just, I like football. So you can tell by the fact that I watched football a lot yesterday and it was everything I thought it would be. And then, <laughs> and, and so, you know, and I, I go to things, I, you know, I spend money on that kind of thing. And so you, you could see that it has part of my heart. Now, I'm not making fun of this or making light of this, and if you like this, that's okay. I've never been to an opera, ever. I have no desire to go to an opera. The closest, you know, the closest thing to being in an opera is sometimes I'll sing in an operatic voice while I'm in the shower. But I know some people love it, man. They love the artistic form, and it's a beautiful thing. And again, I'm not making light of that. You know, good, good for you. Thank you for not inviting me. And so... And, but again, it, you know, it reveals our interest in the things that matter to us when we do those things. And, and so that, that follows truth all the way, and that is, is that, that the treasure that we have available to us is our time, our talent, the things that we're good at, and whatever, whatever treasure or financial resources we have available. And all of us have an element of those three things. Some have more of one than the other. But all of us have something. And Jesus said that wherever that is spent shows where our heart is. Wherever that's spent shows where our heart is. And so we want to teach our kids that, that we have to use our resources for what matters to God. They have to use our resources for what matters to God. Now, let me just say this. Whether you did this intentionally or not, this morning... When you came to church, if you brought your kids with you, or even now if your kids are out of the house and they just know, hey, look, you come. And maybe some of you, because your families are still connected and you guys, you know, your, your kids are on their own, that kind of thing, but maybe either your kids started coming here and, and as a result of that, you started coming, or maybe you started coming and they started coming. There's still that connection. But just by being here, that one of the treasures that you have, which is your time, you're using because your heart is connected with the things of God. That we want to reveal to our kids that part of the call that he has on our life is that we're called as believers, as Jesus followers, to gather regularly with other Christ followers. And you've done that today. Now, whether or not you did it just because you're going to come to church or because maybe it's, it's your normal thing, maybe you were raised that way. I was raised that way. We, we you know, especially in my early years, as I've shared with you before, we went to Sunday school like people go to Monday school. And so there were just things that, that we did that, you know, I mean, I would show up at church 
I went to, we went to this little Lutheran church in Tulsa, just this little bitty place. And before Sunday school, they would, they would have us come and, and just, you know, we would all be there. And, and they, they would go over birthdays and celebrate birthdays. And then, then they would receive our offering. My parents would give me like a dime or a quarter or a dollar, you know. And, and I would go, you know, we'd, we would put it in a little offering basket. And I don't know whether they were just being so intentional, just what they knew to do, but they were teaching me something, putting a principle in me. You know, the, the, you know, part of our, you know, our time, we, we do things with God for it, that, that we give. That was one of those things I, I would watch my parents serve. And so opportunities would arise. I remember the one church I was going to for a while, they, they didn't have enough money to pay somebody to mow the lawn. And so I, I said, I'll do it. And so I was a teenager at the time. And so we do things. And so, you know, we wanted, you know, so many times we do things like that just because just because we're told we're supposed to, or, and maybe we were raised that way. Again, you know, we, we went to church when I was little, like every Sunday. And if, if we were out of town, we went to a church. If we were on vacation on Sunday morning, we went to church at the church that was in that town. And it was such a big deal to my parents. They'd have the pastor sign the bulletin and I would take it and show it to the Sunday school superintendent next week. So they would know we, we didn't skip church. All right. And so it was just one of those things we would do, but it stuck with me. It stuck with me. I went through seasons at times where I'd get distracted and not be as committed as I should before I was in full-time ministry. But that thing they put in me would always pull me back to that. And then when we had our kids, you know, I didn't, we knew this every week, but sometimes, I, you know, we'd gather them around and, and, you know, whatever we were going to give, we had in a check. And I would talk to them. I would say, hey, you know, we, we, we give our first fruit to God. This is what we do as a family. It's what we're called to do. And so we would, we would gather around and I, I, would, I would pray over, God, this is yours. It's a reminder that you've delivered us, that, that we have a relationship with you and heaven is our home now because of what Jesus has done. So we give this out of gratitude and we, get, we put it into the work of God. I pray that it will be used so that your work can go on so that people will come to know Jesus. I wanted our kids to experience it. I didn't want to just write a check and stick it in there, and, and, but I wanted them to know that part of the place that our treasure went was towards what our local church was doing, the work of God, and towards, you know, towards other things. I wanted them to see that. And, and so I, I wanted them to see us serve. And so one of the things that we have to do with our kids is to teach them, to remind them, hey, the things that you have, your time, what, whatever things, you know, whatever your resources are to, to be generous with, whatever your gifts are, that, that we're called to use those, all three of those, in some form or fashion for God's stuff. That we, that we want to use it for his stuff. Now again, even if you don't have kids, you're not interested in how we become intentional and visionary in parenting, where we're communicating vision to our kids, that it still applies to us, right? I mean, we don't outgrow this. It's not like, well, I've had a lot of birthdays now, so none of this matters to me. No, we're still called to do this. This is what we're still called to do. And so we, we use our resources for what matters to God. We use our resources for what matters to him. Let's, let's, uh, let's skip down a few verses and, and go to verse 28. And Jesus is still talking. He said this, and why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. 
They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Of unbelievers. That's what dominates their thoughts is, what about tomorrow? How am I going to make it? What's going to happen? That it dominates their thoughts. It doesn't say that we shouldn't plan, that we shouldn't be good stewards of what God's given us and be planners and thinkers and that type of thing. But, you know, somebody said this, that we should live today as if Jesus is coming back today, but plan as if he's not coming back in our lifetime. And I think that's pretty good wisdom. But he is saying this, that it doesn't need to dominate our thoughts. It doesn't need to be the final decision maker in all that we do. So he said, God takes care of the flowers. Won't he take care of you? And in one of the gospels, he said, aren't, aren't you more important than they are? So he even draws a comparison saying that you do matter more than the rest of creation. He goes on to say this, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all of your needs. I want to say that again. Your heavenly father, he already knows everything that you need. He's a good father. He's a good father. And because we're Jesus followers, we know that he's a good father. Seek the kingdom above all else. Everybody say above all else. And live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So he, Jesus is going through all of that. And he says, look, man, we get so consumed with our future. Like, how's this going to happen? How's that? And I'll just be real transparent with you that I, I, I struggle with that sometimes. Because, you know, I, I know the who. I know the who is going to be God. Where I struggle with is the how. How is he going to do it? Because he doesn't always consult me. Have you ever discovered that? Do you ever, is, have you ever had times where you're like, well, Lord, how are you going to do that? And he's like, well, just trust me. I'm like, it would really help me to know right now. I don't know. I don't know if you know how you're impacting my anxiety right now, but if you could just like give me a picture or a hint, uh, it'll be a secret. I won't tell anybody else. My wife, she can trust you. I'll teach her to trust you. But if you could tell me, it would really help me. He does. He always does. You just keep putting me first. You keep seeking me. Seek first, above all else, the kingdom of God. So when we're teaching our kids to put God's stuff first, we start with the resources you have, they're to be used for God's things, for his kingdom, for his plan, that you're to be a part of that in how you spend your time, in how you use your abilities, and what you give towards. That we should be able to look at all three of those things and see that somewhere in there, God's things matter to you, matter to me. But then the second thing is this, is that we have to teach him that we, we put God first. That we put him first. You know, and again, I, I don't think we're that different. I think we probably struggle with the same things. You say, yeah, but you're a pastor. I, I know it, it just probably makes me a little bit more aware of who's around me. But I still struggle with that stuff. Because there are days where he told me to love my wife the way Christ loved the church. Can I tell you, there's some days I don't want to do that. And I feel justified. God, do you really think she needs to be loved like you love me? 
You saw what happened. You were a witness to all of it. You know, I was minding my own business, watching my third football game. And she was, she just came in and she was upset with me for no reason at all. I mean, what's her to be upset about? I haven't bothered her at all all day. I've made a little mess in the kitchen, but I'm in no hurry for it to be cleaned up. Can, can, you, see, can you see the goodness that I offer? But, but seriously, I mean, we have those moments, you know, whether it's with our spouse or with our kids or other family members or coworkers or people we go to school with or people we go to church with or the guy that pastors us. We have those moments where they, they can frustrate us. Or disappointed. I, I can tell you, I've thought before, like, I'm not going to do that for them. And I've had this God thought, it's almost like the Holy Spirit whispering, will you do it for me? That, that changes it, right? Because he's never been in a place where he didn't keep his end of the bargain. He's always been faithful. He's always true. He came into my world when I was the least lovely. When I least deserved it, Jesus showed up. Of course, he's worthy of me doing that for that person one more time. I've said this before, and I, you know, and I think it's, I, again, I don't think it's unique to us, but when you know, I realize this that, you know, sometimes people, you know, they, they leave church and they go to another church and sometimes because God deals with them like, hey, I have something else. They need you over there or I need you over there or you need to be over there. That, that happens. And, you know, it, it's just the reality of it. But I will tell you that the thing, if people say, why do, you, why do you think people leave churches most often? For us, it's been people get offended. Sometimes they get offended at me. That's, that's easy for me to understand. It's really easy for my wife to understand. She understands why they would get offended at me. And so, so I, I get that. Sometimes we've dropped the ball. We haven't done as good as we should do. And, you know, just for whatever reason, sometimes they get crossways with people that they go to church with. And, but the reality of it is, is that we're called to put him first. Have you ever asked the Lord, have you ever had the Lord have you stay at a place that was not comfortable? Have you ever wanted to leave a job and you pray about it and you just don't have a piece you're supposed to go? I've had that happen before. Where I felt unappreciated or frustrated. I had a situation not too long ago that happened and I, I just, it's hardest when, when people are Christians and I just was angry about it and just kind of like, done. You ever been done? And all of a sudden, those God thoughts, again, I believe it's the Holy Spirit speaking to us, began to remind me of when Jesus was on the cross. And you remember what he said, Father, forgive them, they, they don't know what they're doing. I mean, what they were doing to me was pretty obvious. How could they not know that what they're doing is not Okay. Jesus said somewhere along the line they didn't have an awareness. And one of his followers, after Jesus was raised from the dead and went to heaven, was Stephen. He was one of the first martyrs. 
And he preached a message that so convicted people that they began to stone him with rocks. And just before he dies, he says, it says this, while they were stoning him, he said. In other words, it wasn't behind him. It wasn't over with. While it was going pla uh, taking place, he said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That, that when we put Jesus first, when we put God first, that means I, I can't be first. My comfort, my, my desires can't be first. It, it can't be before what he wants. Sometimes he has me in uncomfortable places because there's a work he wants to do in me. And there's a work that he wants to do through me. You know, I, I used to tell our kids when they were younger, I said, look, when you, like, if you deal with people in authority, teachers, coaches, everything like that, I said, and you ever have a challenge, as long as you're respectful, I'll be your advocate. I'll be your advocate. I'll, I'll defend for you. I'll stand up for you and that kind of thing. And I said, if you're, if you're disrespectful, then you're going to disarm me in that. Now, it, and I just, my concern is, and I know this is hard as a parent, it was, it was hard for us sometimes to know when that is, is that, is that the minute that they get just the least bit uncomfortable, that we want to take their pain away from them. And again, now I'm, I'm not talking about abuse or anything like that. That's, that's a no-brainer. You don't have to play, pray about that. Remove them from that situation. But I'm talking about life. I, I'd, we moved when I was little, I, and I'd always it, gotten okay grades, um, enough to keep my dad happy. And so um, I remember that I'd, I had this science class, and I'd never gotten a negative progress report. I don't know if they still give those out, but back then, like six weeks into it, you know, they give you out a report, like if you need to bring things up. And I got that, and I was like, oh my gosh. And my dad's got to sign this. And so, so I remember I went home and I showed it to him. And, and he said, what's this? And I said, well, the, the teacher really doesn't, doesn't like me. And so <laughs> I, it was a mystery to me too. And so, you know, he didn't look at me and go, hey, we're going down there first thing in the morning. I'm going to have a talk with you. He didn't do that. Well, hey, I'm going to call the school up and have you transfer. He didn't do that either. He's like, well, is he cheating you? I'm like, well... Probably not. So he said, is this, no, he's not cheating me. So he said, I work with people every day I don't like, and I still have to do my job. Bring your grade up. And I'm like, okay. You know, so I mean, it was, it was just one of those moments that was very impactful and effective because his first thought was not to relieve me from my discomfort. Jesus said that when we follow him, that we have to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily and follow him that flies in the face of a narcissistic culture that thinks only of itself. That I'm gonna do what makes me happy. That's not the calling of a Christ follower. We're called to lay down our lives because the one that laid his down for us is worthy of that. On the days that my wife isn't worthy, he's worthy. On the days that I'm not worthy, he's worthy. And so, so we do, so this is what we put in our kids. That, that we put his stuff 
first. We put God first, that he's first. Well, I really want to just tell them off, well, are, are we putting God first when we do that? Or just, they just frustrated me and I'm going to respond that way. Jesus said that all these other things are what unbelievers seek. It's how they measure their life. But he said, among you, it won't be so. Put him first. And so as parents, in putting God's stuff first so that when they leave our home, that we talk to them about the talents they have that we go to church, and not just church, because this is just one day a week, but in other things we do, that we give our time towards God's things. And his things, like, almost always involve people. And, and the abilities that we've given, that, that we, that we want to make sure they're being used for his purpose. And in areas that we're generous in, it's along the things that matter to him. That's how we know where our heart is. And then we, we put him first. Because if he's, if he's not first, and I'm first, then I become really selfish. Or even if I make you first, that works until you disappoint me. Until your humanity shows up. Then I, I don't feel like I need to anymore. But if he's first, he's always worthy. And so when we're parenting visionary for our kids, to have vision for their lives everywhere along the way, I'm, I'm grateful with my sons and my daughter that we have, I feel like we have a good relationship. And even now, I, you know, and they know they're, they're, they're grown. They, do, they're, they make it on their own. They don't need me. But I even have permission to say, you know, to say, hey, this is what I think. And we have conversations about it. And my hope is, that will always be godly counsel. No matter what we're talking about, whether we're talking about their own lives personally, their marriages, their relationship with their kids, with people they work with, I want to make sure that still, if they want to know my opinion, and I always start out assuming they want to know it, <laughs> that my hope is, is that it's not based on my frustration or anything like that, but... Jesus, are you okay with what I'm telling them? That needs to be our vision as parents. If your kids are still home, make that part of your vision. To teach them that, to show them, to demonstrate that in ways. So I see it. And for our own lives personally, even if we're not parents, if we have no interest in kids, for us personally, that, that should be our desire. It's how we establish our priorities. Is that we put, put God first. He's first. He's why he's the one I answer to. Let's look at number three and we'll close with this. Go with me if you would to Colossians. Colossians is uh, it's in the New Testament. It's several books after Matthew. So there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Now Colossians is kind of interesting. It was a letter that a guy named Paul wrote. And he actually didn't start the church that this was written to, which is kind of unusual. Most of the letters he wrote were churches that he started. But there was a guy that he had discipled that had started this church in this area, and there were several other churches that the letter was supposed to be shared with. 
And so Paul, they, they were having some issues, so the guy came and approached Paul. Hey, look, I'm, so Paul wrote this letter and said, read this in those churches in this area. And so in Colossians 3, as he's getting close to finishing up the letter, it says this, since God, uh, verse 12, says, since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must, everybody say must. So he said, you must clothe yourselves. You're going to tell us things that we should wear, it should be seen. You must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy. That we should wear that. Mercy, tenderhearted mercy. When people extend mercy and grace to me, man, it just speaks volumes to me. I've needed it some the last few weeks. And it's just ministered to me in a way that was healing. With tenderhearted mercies, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Don't you love being clothed with patience? Yeah, me neither. So he says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you're called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Everybody say, always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its fullness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever, everybody say whatever. Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. Give thanks through him to God the Father. So along these lines, we need to teach our kids that wherever they go, that when they become a Christian, that at that moment, that they begin to represent Jesus. They begin to represent him. You know, I think I shared with you last week that with our kids, that sometimes people would say, well, you know, I, I know your dad's a pastor, so he wouldn't do it. And I'd have to pull him aside and say, hey, man, I know you mean well, but never use that as a reason of restraint. I, I want to be able to look at our kids and say, we know this because we're Christians. And, and so be able to do it. But one of the things that we're called is that, that we have to keep in mind who we are living for. And so we have to tell our kids, like, we're not living for ourselves. We're living for Jesus. And so as a result, that it matters, you know, that what we do, we, we ask him, you know, what, what would you have me do in this? I, I want to put you first and I'm living for you. So what do you want me to do? I want to do that. It comes down to him that, you know, do you, do you want me to, to go another mile with this? You, you want me to do that? Or are you calling me, you know, to, to respond to it? What, what is it you want me to do? I'll do what you want me to do. And we teach our kids that I wanted to be that, especially when they were growing up, they were facing a situation in school or dealing with a person. I, I wanted to make sure, and sometimes I would fail at it, but I wanted to do my best to say, you know, that, that you know, if, if Jesus is there, which he is, if he's, you know, is it going to be one of those things that he's pleased with how you respond? He's pleased with how you respond. Well, will that take place that we want to do that? And again, that, that matters to us too. Now, you know, I will tell you that the challenge with that is, is the minute I start talking about this, I think about the times that I didn't represent him well. Have, is there anybody in here besides me that has not represented Jesus well at some time or another in your life? Yeah, some of you aren't raising your hands, you're not doing it right now. And so, <laughs> and so yeah, man, we, we've had those moments. I've, you know, I've gotten frustrated at different things, and even though I felt justified and it, you know, in my frustration again to go back and go, you know, but could I invite them to church you know, after this conversation? I remember the, we had something happen last week, and it was, it was one of those moments, and I've shared with you the times that I haven't done well, so I feel liberty. There, not, I'm not always a complete failure. Sometimes I do what I'm supposed to. And so we had one of those moments the other day that the, the electricity went out in some of the schools and that type of thing. And so 
we, you know, we, we're, we're relentlessly good to our community as a church. We're able to do that because of you guys. And so I'm grateful. So Mrs. Willard, who's the principal at Stuart Rusa, is she's great. She goes to church here. We're blessed that she's a part of this place. And so I reached out to her and said, hey, I know you guys have electricity. And what they do is typically the schools become a priority. So they don't immediately re- release the kids because, you know, they, ha- they have some, you know, some emergency lighting and stuff like that. And so, but I know food can be an issue. So I said, hey, do you, you know, I know you guys, your power is out. Can we, can we provide lunch as a church? Can we provide lunch? And she said, man, that would be wonderful. And so then I said, well, how many? And then when she told me how many, I'm like, oh no. I mean, it was like, I'm like, what have I done? I was such an idiot. I should have asked these questions of somebody else before I called and made this commitment as a church. And so we had like 50 minutes to get lunch ready for hundreds of kids. <laughs> so I called one of the pizza places in town and I said, look, man, this is gonna be like the worst call you've gotten and you haven't even opened up yet. And so they said, okay, what is it? And I said, well, we've got this situation at one of the schools, we wanna help. And I'm like, I need, what if I needed 40 pizzas. How long? Because well, we got a note back from her and she said, look, the power's come back on and so our late lunches are going to be okay. But our first two lunches, it, it would help us. And so I thought, oh man, thank God. So, so then she told me, and we're still talking about, I, I don't know, lots of kids. And I don't know, is, is 200 too many? Is that a little high? 100 something? 100 something? Yeah. Okay. So, that, you know, so I, and they're like, no, dude, um, there's like two of us here, and we can't, we can't do that many pizzas. And I'm like, well, what, what do you think you can do? This early? Probably none. I'm like, okay, thank you. So I was proud of myself, man, because usually I would have given them, my family calls, given them a lesson in business. Hey, look, this is how you make money. This, you know. So I, then I called Little Caesars. I called Little Caesars. And I had this, it started with saying, like, hey, this is you know, really going to be a horrible conversation. You're not going to lie to me, that kind of thing. And they go, well, let me have it. And I said, well, I, I need 40 pizzas. And they go, oh, okay, when do you need them by? As soon as possible. <laughs> and so I'm like, 45 minutes? And I mean, I hear silence on the other end. Hello? And her tone was still kind. She said, well, let me check with my manager. And so, so she came back and she said, we can do that. And I'm like, okay. And she said, when you I told her again. She said, okay. She said, we'll do that. And so in my mind, I thought, but are you really? I mean, am I going to show up at this place like an hour late because you really couldn't do it as quick as you knew, but you want the money? I mean, so I mean, that, um, that's kind of where my mind is going. So, so I... I call Miss Willard, say, yeah, we're going to be able to do, you know, those, those lunches for you. So, oh, she was so grateful. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm grateful for Cedar Point and all that kind of stuff. So five minutes before I said I needed it, the Pete Little Caesars calls me and they say, hey, they're ready. And I'm like, wow. Oh, yeah. So I go there and I, I, you know, I give them, I give them, you know, the church card and, and they, they run it and their, um, their money machine where have you put the credit card in? That's a money machine. Because, you know, anyway, so, so it's like pinned on the side. And I mean, I'm kind of stressed because I'm pushing it, you know. 
And so they bring it out, and I'm, I'm looking at all these boxes, like, oh my gosh, that's 40 pizzas. And so, so I, I, I pay it, I sink it in, pull the card out, I'm getting ready to sign it, and the thing falls off the floor and disconnects from the power. What? Yeah. So I started unleashing all these profanities. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> I, I, I didn't do that. Now, <laughs> oh, crud. And so, so now I'm like, and so she said, well, let's take just a minute. Well, she, she didn't know her machine because it was taking longer than a minute. I feel my anxiety going, ching, 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 ching. So finally I'm like, can, can I just take the, here's my card. Can I just take the pizza over there and I'll come back and settle? She goes, yeah, that's fine. So I, I took pizza over, we were, you know, we were able to get it. We got it there on time. We got, you know, my, my granddaughter, Avery, was there. I got a picture with her. And it was, so it was just a cool thing. I was grateful I get to be a part of a church that allows us to do things. So thank you for allowing us to do stuff like that. <laughs> then I forgot to go back and pay them. <laughs> so like an hour later, I'm driving around. I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to go settle up with these guys. So I, I went, I, I got some money, and um, I thought, they, they've just been so kind. And I, was, I wanted to give them a, a generous tip. And so I, <laughs> I walked in, and, and they gave me my credit card and receipt, and, I'm, and, I, and there, was still just, there was just the manager and the girl making pizza. That's all they had in there. And so I said, I said is it just you two still? She goes, yeah, and I said, I said, I, I want to talk to her. So I said, hey, come out here for a minute. She's kind of that look of terror. That, and, and people have done that before. They've had that look of terror. And sometimes it was rightly deserved because it wasn't going to be a good conversation. And so, so they go, oh, okay. So she comes out and I said, and they had, a, they had a, a poster on their wall that was their mission statement. It said something along the lines of, we, you know, we pledge to provide the pizza you want at the time that you want and we want to do it in a friendly manner. And so uh, I've been in places, all those places have those posters hung, and they should just use it for a dartboard because it means nothing to them. <laughs> but, but I looked and I said, today, you guys did that. You did that. And so, so I, I, we, we wanted to bless you. We wanted to be good to you. This, I want you guys to split this. The manager, she tears up. My sinuses start acting up. It was just, I, I don't know why that happens. But, but my hope is, if they never remember me, that's okay. If they, if they never remember that it was Cedar Point, that's okay. What I do want to know is it was a follower of Jesus that did that for him because I represent him when I go in there. We represent, we want to teach our kids that. They were incredibly kind, incredibly good. I'll be real transparent with you. They're not my favorite pizza. I, I, one place is my favorite pizza. I, lo I love Oklahoma pizza, but I don't know if they could do something like that. But, but th that place right there, I, I, you know, they're the kind of wholesale, but they were just, it's good enough. And they were just so kind. And I think we miss opportunities, not just in the bad moments, but in the good moments to represent Jesus well. And we want our kids to know that we have to keep in mind who we're living for so that when they leave our place, that in their suitcase, that they've been taught to put God's stuff first because they realize that the, 
that their, their time, their talent, and their treasure should be used for him. They should put him first and that wherever they go, that they're called to represent him. More important than representing our family, although I believe that's important. They're called to represent him. So that we put that in their suitcase over and over again. And we demonstrate it so that when they leave our home, that they have access to, first of all, their own relationship with God, but also to know that in their walk that we put God's stuff first. It's what we do. I want you to do this. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute. You know, if, first of all, in our own lives, there may be things that you look at that, you, that God's deal, he's dealt with you about while I'm talking. I, I hope so, because he deals with me about stuff. About, you know, maybe areas in your life that you're not using for his purpose, for his stuff. That maybe that you're not putting him first in certain places. And that there may be moments that you've lost sight of I'm representing him. He said, and it's scary because I do that sometimes. So what do we do when we blow that? Then we repent big. We say we're sorry big. But then also, not just for us personally, but also for our kids to embrace the challenge, to take the mantle of having the vision that we're not just reacting with good intentions, but we are on purpose intentionally packing the suitcase they'll leave our house with. And even after they leave for every transition into a new season, when our voice is given an opportunity to speak into their life, that we want to make sure that our voice directs them towards this so that they're putting God's stuff first. So let's just take a moment to pray for ourselves, to pray for our kids, and just to spend a moment with God. Let's just spend a moment with God.